All right, guys, let's get right on into Genesis chapter three. Now, when we last left in looking at a basic or general summary of chapter one, looking at the creative work of all that God had done, it ended with saying that it was very good. That was chapter one. Then when we got into chapter two, we took a closer inspection at the creation of both the man and the woman and the divine relationship order that God had established between the two of them. And it ended with saying that they were both naked and not ashamed. That is, it spoke of not only simply that their physical condition, but even more so of their spiritual condition, unashamed, or in other words, they were without sin. Now let's go right, right into chapter three as we look at the fall of the man and the woman. Now the serpent was more crafted than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now this is a very unique section of the Bible. It really requires, even demands, a great deal of study. However, we're not going to look at all of the different things that we could look at. We're not going to talk about every little detail, okay? But we do want to investigate it. We want to kind of hone in on certain issues that have commonly been overlooked by other commentators of Scripture. All right. And in saying that now we're answering the question that we left off in our last video of chapter two, creation of the man and the woman, what will become of the man and the woman? Will they maintain their holy estate? And the answer is no. All right. Now he says, verse number one, the serpent was more crafty. The first thing that we want to see in verse number one, oftentimes we see a depiction by some that the serpent is actually Satan who is in the garden of Eden. However, that is not what the scripture says. This is not Satan manifesting himself as a serpent. This is a literal serpent. This is a part. He is a part of the creatures whom God has created. Notice again what it says about the serpent, that the serpent was more crafty, craftier than who? The idea is prudent, wise, okay? And, and at the same time while I'm here, the craftiness or wisdom of the serpent is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. So it's what you do with it. It's what the serpent did, or should we even say, permitted to be done with his wisdom. Okay, so the being crafty is nothing wrong with that. It's what he permitted to be done with that. But anyway, back to the point concerning the serpent. It says that the serpent was a member of the animal kingdom. Notice what it says in verse number one, any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So therefore the serpent is named among the animals of creation the sixth day of creation. So he was not, now, so, so let, I tell you what, let me slow it down. 
and, and I'm going to try to give you an explanation of pretty much what is going on. Now, I'm, I'm going to no doubt get ahead of myself. We'll, we'll get to certain parts more, okay, once we get to that area in the scripture. But to kind of give you an idea of what is taking place here in a general summary of the thing. So allow me to do it this way, guys. All right. The serpent is the is. Okay, let me say this. The serpent is the greatest creature that God has made apart from man. It's clear when you look at the remaining parts of Genesis chapter three, as the serpent goes from the chief, the head, the greatest of all of the animal creatures. He goes from the greatest to the lowest. And that's the judgment that God pronounces on the serpent. Okay. So number one, he is a creature of God. Number two, he is the greatest of the creatures of God. We also see in the judgment of the serpent that he somehow, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say walked or whatever, but the point is he was in an upright position. He possibly did walk. But what we do see, he was in an upright position because in his judgment, he was made to go on his belly. Okay. And we also see that the serpent, as we'll see later on, and as we're beginning to see now, has the ability to speak. The serpent has the ability to speak. That means that, so when it says that he was prudent or wise, we can see that he was the greatest of all of the animal creatures in that he walked upright. He seemed to have some sort of ability to reason, to reason and articulate. He could speak. Okay. So that's number one. Now that was natively what the serpent was. In other words, when God had first created the snake, this is what he was naturally. And there was nothing wrong with that. It was what God had designed him to be this kind of creature, probably no doubt, because you got to always remember God created the animal kingdom to serve and for the benefit of mankind. So therefore God probably gave him these unique abilities in the animal kingdom to be of service to man. But instead of him being in service to man, he acted worked in concert with Satan against mankind. Okay. And for that reason, you can see the judgments upon the serpent, not Satan, the serpent here. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. So that's another point. All right. That, okay. Another thing that we have to see the serpent is, has permitted himself. The serpent has permitted himself to be taken over by Satan. He has allowed Satan to take over his body and to use him in Satan's demonic purposes. Okay. Why do I say that? Because number one, in the New Testament, the references to Satan on many occasions always calls him what? That great serpent, the serpent of old. He's referred to the serpent in the book of John. He's referred as the serpent. I think in the book of Corinthians, second Corinthians, I do believe it is. He is also referred to the serpent 
as the serpent in the book of Revelation. So it is clear there is a relationship between Satan and the serpent. What I'm telling you guys is the Satan has the, oh, let me say it correctly. The serpent has allowed Satan to take over him and to do these things that he is doing at this particular time. So you, now you have every right to say, but why do you say that? What biblical proof do you say that? It's very simple. When God judges, he always judges in righteousness. In other words, God will not judge you or punish you for something you had no choice in the matter. You, you, it's like, it's, there was nothing I could do. If there was nothing that you could do, then God is not going to punish you for something you had absolutely no control in that sense. And I'm not talking about inheriting, inherited things, inheriting things. Okay. I'm talking about for things that people do. Therefore, God holds them responsible for their actions. And we see this notice and, and it's going to spell it all the way out. And God came into the serpent because because you did this, because you did this. So what is the point that I'm making? So I don't keep going on and on, but I just simply want you to see it. Satan did not take over the serpent by force. The serpent had to willingly allow himself to be taken, to be possessed by Satan, because when God showed up in judgment, God punished the serpent. If the serpent had no choice, he would have never been punished. God would have only punished those who were responsible. And that's exactly what God did. He punished all those. And there were four characters responsible. There was the serpent, the devil, the man, and the woman. All four were punished by God. Okay? All right. So again, let's look at verse number one. As you said, the serpent was more crafty. So he was what? A very wise creature that the Lord God had made. And we understand too in the background of our mind who is possessing, who is using the serpent to do this particular activity, Satan himself. All right. Now let's go to the second part of the verse. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, the first thing that he does is he wants to bring doubt about the about God's command unto the woman. But even before we get into that, because that's the first thing he, he wants to bring doubt as to the word of God, the command of God, his word. Right. But now here is something that is often skipped. And I've seen it skipped by many commentators, many commentators. What you have to understand is this. Clearly, Adam is there with Eve the whole time. Eve is not at the tree, okay? She's not at, at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and Adam is somewhere at the house. Adam is standing right there. That's why the Bible teaches us later on, and I'm going to talk about those issues, about who was really fooled by the serpent's lies, okay? But anyway... The point that I'm making here is this, and here's what you got to see. There are a lot of subtleties to it. Adam being present right there, okay, and the devil working within the snake, why does he direct his words to Eve and not Adam? 
Now, even though we cannot say with assuredness of exactly what's going on, I think there is some evidence to why he's directing his attack at the woman. His attack at the woman. And you're going to see that throughout in the scriptures, the attack on the women, attack on the women. But that's not for right now. And I believe the answer simply is this. Satan knows the divine order. Remember when we talked about chapter two, when God made the animals, what did he do? He brought them to the man to see what he would name, what the man would call him, whatever the man called the animals. That was his name. In other words, Adam named the animals. And then we see that in the creation of the woman, how that the woman was not made like the man. God made the man from what? The ground. God made the woman from the side of the man. Not only that, God himself brought the woman to the man. And like with exercising the same authority, because that's what I'm talking about. As the man exercised and demonstrated his authority that he is the one to whom God has set over all things, as even the animals, by doing what? Giving them their names. When Eve came to him, he also gave her her name. So it is clear that Adam was the one to whom God had given the authority. And I believe clearly what's going on here. You got to always remember the devil despises authority. The devil hates order. His whole problem with God was what? He said, I will ascend into the mountains of God. I will ascend beyond the clouds. I will be like God. In order to be like God, you have to totally reject God and replace God. The order that God had given. What did God do? Ezekiel 28. He made Satan the greatest, the best of all of his angelic beings in authority. But that was not enough. He gave Satan his authority and his place, but he was not satisfied with his place and he desired more. So notice we see that same thing beginning to operate. He's using that same MO to try to set that desire inside of the woman. Why? Because clearly, as we have demonstrated earlier, the woman is under the authority of the man. And we know, and we already now we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'm just simply answering the question. Have you ever thought about why when the devil parlayed his attacks that he attacked the woman? Why attack the woman? Because he is attacking the authority and the ordered structure that God has placed. So if he can cause havoc in that, if he can make her fall, maybe he will make the man fall. Okay. But anyway, that's enough of that. And so he wanted her to begin to doubt the command of God when he asked, is it forbidden for you to eat from any of the trees of the garden? Okay. Two, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. That's three. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it 
or you will die. Now, let's talk about it. So the woman clearly knows the command of God. And then the question you should get is that remember what you have to remember is God never told Eve a single thing. God gave the commandment to Adam and Adam alone because Eve was not even formed at the time. She wasn't even created at the time. So therefore, Adam had to tell Eve what the commandment of God was. Now, guys, I can't. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to take you there. Let's just let's just pull out our shovels and start going even a little deeper. So therefore, it was the mind of God that Adam as the priests priests. Notice the terminology that I'm using because the Garden of Eden was going to be their temple. <laughs> but as the priest, it was Adam's Adam was therefore given the service as well as the command. So it was given to Adam. And now it became Adam's responsibility to teach his wife. And that's how Eve learned of the command. Adam taught it to her. And we can see as the apostle Paul in the book of first Corinthians chapters 14, I think something way around verses 34 in first Corinthians 14, as he talks about the orderly conduct of women in the church. Paul ascertains from this principle, no doubt right here. What does Paul deduce from this principle? He says, let the women keep silent in the church for they are not uh, uh, allowed in the sense to speak. That is to be of uh, disturbing the church, to act in a disorderly fashion in the church. And notice Paul continues to say, and if they would learn of anything, if they want to know of something that was said, further information concerning things discussed at the church, he said, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And that's New Testament principle of ordered orderly actions, activity in the church. It regulates how women should act. And notice there is a direct correlation to what is taking place here in the Garden of Eden. How did Eve learn of the commandment? She didn't learn it from God. She learned it from her husband at home. Okay, but anyway, the point that we're making in verses two and three is the woman knew when she responded to the serpent, she knew of the commandment of God that they were free to eat from all of the trees with one exception, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And she also knew that there would be a penalty attached to it, that you shall not eat from it or you will die. So she knew that she knew the commandment and she knew the punishment if you broke the commandment. Then she made a statement concerning the touching of it. Now, it's not in the scripture that God said not to touch it. And I don't think it's worthy to make such a big deal of touching it. Whether she added to God's word or not, possibly she may have added to the word. But the whole point is this. All she's doing by saying don't eat nor even touch, she's strengthening the prohibition. She's just simply saying, I know that we are not supposed to have anything to do with that tree. Okay. So whether or not it's commanded, it, it was never written commanded that way. Maybe Adam told her never to touch it, but nevertheless, that's what she said, even though God didn't say it. Was it an addition? I don't know, 
But the whole point is, it simply demonstrates her, her knowledge of the prohibition. Do not bother that tree, okay? Four, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And this is when Jesus says that Satan was the first liar. And I think that means the first in two, two cases, and I'm not going to deal with that. That'd be a long discussion. Here is one of the first, here is the first lie in the scripture when he says that you will not surely or certainly die. If God says you will certainly die, and the serpent says you will certainly not die, he just lied. Okay, but let's look at it. You will not surely die. So therefore, he calls God a lie, right? No longer by doubting God's word, we're now in full-blown rejection of God's word. And that's what he's trying to get her to do. And look at verse number five. And now he tries to say that God is somehow selfish, that God is selfish and, and possibly acting in a jealous way. That God is selfish in that he doesn't want you to be God. He's trying to hold you back. He's trying to keep you from being all that you can be. And notice what he is actually inferring is, is that you can be God. You can be God. And that is an altogether impossibility. Why? And let me just simply say it this way. And because, okay, I'll, let me slow it down. That was his desire. That was the desire of Satan in the dateless past. Isaiah 14, he wanted to be God. And so he tries to plant this same desire inside of the woman and no doubt, no doubt, the man. He wants them to desire, to want to be God. But the point that I was trying to make was, it is impossible for the creature to be God. A creature is a created thing. A creature is a created thing. In order to be God, you cannot be created. God is the only being who has never been created. God is an uncreated being. Everything else in this universe has been created. You got it? And so he's offering them something that is absolutely impossible to have by simple virtue. You're a creature and creatures cannot be God. But we continue that determined. We want to do that forever and ever and ever. We always try to be God. But anyway, so the serpent tries to convince the woman somehow that God is envious of his divinity in that he does not want them to be like God. And he says that one of the evidences of being like God is that you will know good and evil like God. Your eyes will become open and you'll know the good and evil like God. And that was a lie too. It was a half lie because half truth in the sense and Satan is a master of half-truths. He came to Jesus in his temptation 
when he says, cast yourself down for it is written. He shall keep you that you shouldn't even dash your foot against a stone. That was true, but it was a half truth because he avoided the rest of what God had taught in his holy word. And Jesus reminded him of that and said, it is also true. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the half the half truth that he told in this particular episode was their eyes indeed was opened, but they would not know good and evil like God. Eve and Adam, all of mankind, we will know Eve. We will know evil. I'm sorry. Experientially. That means by virtue of experience, we will know what we do. We will have the capacity to do evil. We will actually do evil. We will have inborn in us at the moment of disobedience, a sinful nature inclined to evil that cannot eat no longer simply do the good for the service of God. We will have inborn an evil nature knowing evil by our doing, not our simple knowledge. That was the lie. They did not know good and evil like God. Okay. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from his fruit and ate. And she gave also, she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, there were some things that I did not get into. I didn't want to take you guys too deep into the Hebrew uh, language of the text in, in this particular teaching. But what is undeniable is when the serpent went to the, to the woman, Notice, and he said to the woman, indeed, has God said in verse number one, when he said, indeed, has God said that you shall not eat of it? The language that is actually used is plural. Has God said, has God said what? That you all, you all should not eat from any of the trees. Notice that you all. What is the point? The reason why I'm bringing this up is this. It was the intent of the serpent, Satan, from the beginning, not only that the woman should eat, but that the man should eat. That was his, his goal was to get the man to eat. And that's what we see in verse number six. Notice her husband standing alongside with her. She gave it to him and he ate. That was the goal. And when we look at the text, we see that the goal of the serpent all along was not so much for the woman. He was trying to use the woman as, and I, let me just simply say it this way, as the weaker link, as the weaker link. Okay. And of course he succeeded wonderfully. So let me go back to it. Let's take a look at what happened. So, she now has been tempted. She's heard the word of the serpent. She stands and look at the tree. And in accordance with the three classes of temptation, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And all three of these particular classes, the, it became the inducer 
for why she ate of the tree. So let's look at it. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. It simply means it satisfies a physical appetite. She saw that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes, the desire of eyes, something that is pleasant to look upon. So therefore the fruit was pretty, okay? And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. And that is pride of life. The desire to be something or more than what God has called you to be. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. All three classes were met. And this is the same test that it also speaks that Jesus passed to. But we're not going to get into that. And what did she do? She took from the fruit of the tree. She took one of them and she ate it. Now, let me pause here. Nothing happened when she ate. And the reason why nothing happened when Eve ate of the tree was because the commandment was not given to Eve. Therefore, Eve, Eve herself could not break the command even though Adam shared it, and it would not be a good thing for Eve to eat of the tree. It's not good. It, it, it's, it's wrong to do so, okay? Because God has already told you the tree is off limits. But nevertheless, since the commandment was given only to Adam, only Adam could transgress the commandment. That's why when you look in the New Testament, notice you never see the Bible says that sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve. It says, no, no, no. By one man, sin came into the world. Adam alone. Why? Because Adam was given the command. When Eve ate it, nothing happened. Nothing happened when Eve ate of the fruit. Okay? But now watch this. Then she gave also to her husband with her. Adam was standing right there the whole time listening to the arguments made by the serpent, listening to him. And we'll talk about that as we move on down later in this study. And what did he do? Now, Adam ate the fruit and therefore he transgressed. Adam transgressed the command of God. Verse seven, then the eye, notice when Adam ate, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lawn coverings. And let's deal with this last verse, this verse, and we'll stop with this teaching and we're going to see further results of their disobedience. Okay. So, but verse number seven is our preliminary statement of their disobedience. And that is death. Even though their eyes came open. Okay. You have to understand this. Watch this. They could see the whole time. So what do you mean? Their eyes became open. That means their knowledge, their awareness of sin, sin, nature, two things happen. They died spiritually right then. God said, what? In the day that you eat, you will surely die. When? In the day. The moment you do, you will die. That's exact. So here's what happened. They died spiritually right then and there. And then all of a sudden they have now a nature 
that they never knew before. And this explains their eyes coming open. This is what it means. The sin nature of man is born. When Adam disobeyed, the sin nature for he as well as Eve, it came to life. It was born at that moment in time. And notice they knew they were naked. They were naked the whole time. So what do you mean they, they, did, they didn't know? Yes, they knew. But they saw something in their nakedness that they didn't see before. Remember how it ended in chapter two? They were both naked and what? Unashamed. Now, all of a sudden, there is shame. There will be shame before one another. Why? Because notice what they're doing. At first, Adam and Eve, you look at each other, they thought that was wonderful to see those two naked bodies because they did not see immorality. So here is the birth of sexual immorality. Here is the birth of fornication. Here is the birth of pornography. This is the birth of pornography. So when Adam looked at his wife, he no longer saw something spiritually healthy and desirable. He saw something evil. And, when, and, and notice, here's the thing that you cannot notice when they made the fig leaves, what part of the body that they tried to cover. The loins, the sexual organs, pornography is born. So when he sees her, now here is the, the birth of debased and immoral thoughts. Those thoughts which hunt all of humanity is now born, okay? Okay, but if, now you get the whole point is that their eyes were open and they know that they are naked and the sin nature is now born. And so what do they try to do? Notice, here is now the indication of their shame, of their shame, because notice, being first what? Unashamed, now in disobedience, birth of the sin nature brings forth shame. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lawn cover. Now that's important, made themselves lawn cover. What's important about that statement is they made for themselves because later on we're going to see where God comes and makes a covering for them. As a matter of fact, you may want to see an earlier teaching that I did on that about why God made coverings for the man and his wife. Okay, but the point is this. They have now disobeyed God. The sin nature, sin awareness is born. You found out that serpent sold you a big lie. You don't know good and evil like God. You know good and evil in a way that God will never know it, okay? And so now, let's find out what happens when God shows up in our next lesson. Catch you then.